Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. Uh, well, hey, we're going to continue on. Tonight we are ending and concluding our prayer emphasis from a teaching standpoint, but not from a practice standpoint. We believe here at Faith that we should always be leaning in to prayer because prayer is what sets us apart from any organization, from any country club, from any entity in all of the world, it's prayer. I love what A.W. Tozer, the great self-taught theologian, he says this, God answers our prayers not because we are good, but because He is good. There's this old school practice, okay? Uh, I used to love it, if you're familiar with it, when I say, God is good, you say all the time, right? Some of my seasoned saints, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so let's practice right here, right now. God is good. And then I say all the time, Woo, we're getting it. Come on now. I love what J.I. Packer says, because this is the importance of prayer. He says, the more you praise, that's why we have our worship night, the more vigor you will have for prayer. And the more you pray, the more matter you will have for praise. So are you understanding why we're coming together and we're praying and we're worshiping? Because we believe it's fuel to our soul. We believe that when we do these two biblical disciplines, God moves in a way we can't even imagine. And that's why we gather. That's why we meet on our midweek. Uh, have you ever been to the doctor's office just for a checkup? Anybody? Not because you have a physical ailment, not because you're sick, not anything because there's some kind of obstacle going on in your life, but have you ever been just for a, a checkup? I remember when my wife and I, we first moved to the area, um, I had to uh, go like register with the family physician. You know what I'm talking about? You had to like go and uh, sign in or whatever. And so I go and whenever you go to the doctor, they ask you some pretty invasive questions, right? You're like, hey, I wouldn't share this with anybody. So the first one, you know, they, they walk you in and they say, hey, stand on the scale. They're like, really want to like lift you up at the moment. And you're like, whoa, those pounds went up a little bit. Okay? And then they're like, hey, have you been exercising? I don't know. You look like you need to, doc. You know, like, right? They're, they're talking to you there a little bit. And then they're also like, your blood pressure seems a little high. And you're like, okay, like, let's get it. They put the cold stethoscope on your chest and back. And they're like checking in on you. And there's that moment when you come into this checkups that they're making sure you're reoriented, you're realigned, and they're kind of speaking into your life on some of the things that you need to tweak and adjust so that you can continue to have good health. It's this preventative case. It's going into this physical location and, and saying, okay, this is what you need to adjust in your life so you can proceed on in a healthy manner. So that's what prayer is essentially to us. When we pray, what we're doing is we're going into this moment with God one-on-one -on -one in a very personal, relational time where He's addressing us. See, prayer leads us tonight into three things that we'll be looking at tonight. The first one is prayer leads us into self-knowledge. Prayer leads us into self-knowledge. One of the biggest things that hang us up is not having adequate self-knowledge of where we really stand. It's, it's knowing how we're living our life, what's looking, what is really the complete honest picture of who we are. 
In Hebrews, we see a way that we can do that. The writer of Hebrews, he says a couple things in verse 12 is where I'll just look at real quick before I dive into verse 13 that's on your notes. It says, the word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. It says that it, it can be divisive to the soul and it's discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the word of God does. And then the author continues on in verses 4 and 13. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. He's the ultimate doctor. So whenever we go into prayer, where prayer is leading us, is into a moment of self-understanding, self-knowledge. It's at that moment when you realize where you are, what your health condition is, is that when you can start to make the adjustments in your life. The maybe I need to work out a little longer. Maybe I need to read my Bible a little more. Maybe I need to stop watching things on the news. I had another kind of checkup this past week. Uh, it was called a date night with my wife. We have this moment where we sit at dinner together and uh, we have no kids with us at the time. A date is me and her, and we start talking about some of these areas of our life, and we always come to a question, what can I pray for you about? Now, what happens in this moment of prayer and this, or this moment of questioning is um, we have to share some of the things that are extremely personal or what we're battling, our attitude, our, our mental state, what's maybe happening. Do we, do we need to get lifted up? Do we need to be picked up that week or what's really taking place and what's shaping up in your heart. So what happens is when you have to verbally tell somebody where you're actually standing and what's actually going on in your life, you're solidifying some of the things that you are struggling to express. You're, you're solidifying some of those moments that you don't really want to disclose, but you have to because someone's dear to you. See, praying out loud, I would encourage you, it's a practice, it's fundamental, and I would even say it's uh, throughout Scripture very biblical, that it's something that whenever we pray out loud, it leads us into a great self-knowledge of ourselves. So if you're not praying out loud right now to yourself, or not at this moment, but if you're not having that practice, I would encourage you throughout your week, your Monday through Friday, your Saturdays and Sundays, how are you praying out loud? Because whenever there, there's something to it, whenever you're, you're on that walk by yourself or when you're around the table and you're saying, hey, uh, if you're married, hey, I'm struggling with this area, can you pray for me? When you have to say, hey, I have this temptation, can you pray for me? Whenever we're doing that, we're throwing it on the wall, we're acknowledging the area that we need to address. See, we live in a day and age where we don't want to acknowledge some of the darkest things that are rooting in our life until it gets too late. We're living in a day and age where it's like, hey, it's self-help, self-fix, you do it all, but when the need is, prayer. So I encourage you, one of the greatest ways that you can be led into self-knowledge and self-understanding when you pray is by praying out loud. Jesus said his universal prayer. How do you do it? He explained that to his disciples, and he says, what? Lead us not into temptation, Right? So he's not saying temptation in generic, but each and every one of us, we have some things we get hung up on. I would encourage you, if you have a friend, if you have somebody around you that you need to say, hey, these are some of the things that I battle. These are some things I'm processing. These are some of the things I'm going, that's going on in my life. 
then I encourage you to seek out that help, to mark it, in other words. Paul, he always acknowledges churches throughout many of his, his letters from Ephesus to the church of Ephesus to Colossians to Romans to all these guys, these individuals that he writes to. He talks about prayer. He talks about how he would pray for them, but also he would pray for that church with his companions. There's something to that. He's praying out loud. King David, he is known as the greatest king ever to be involved uh, uh, with the nation of Israel and, and all of land, all, uh, essentially. He says this in Psalms 143, verses 11 through 12. He prays very boldly and bluntly. He says, For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life, because your faithfulness bring me out of this distress. And your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. So praying out loud doesn't just relate to our petitioning or our needs, but praying out loud also can be addressed to some of the things we want to see achieved. So I would encourage you, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, when you pray out loud as the tool, when you're praying, you're becoming self aware, you're developing self-knowledge, you see where you really stand. We talked about Isaiah in Isaiah 6-5. This is a caption of what he said when he comes to this self-knowledge of who he is. He says, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips." For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he comes to this moment, when he sees the majesty and the greatness and the vastness of God, Isaiah has a, uh, uh, an epiphany of where he really stood. See, when we pray, that is what God is leading us through. That is what God is leading us to. See, God will lead us into places we don't want to discover about ourselves to become better followers. I think some of the biggest issues and hangups that we have at moments in our personal life is we don't want to pray, essentially, or we're not taking the adequate time to pray, so we can't discover where we need to go from point A to point B. I think for each and every one of us, I want to encourage you, prayer is revelation to who we are and what's taking place in our lives. So number one, prayer leads us into self-knowledge. And then number two, prayer leads us into balance. Prayer leads us into balance. Effective and wise prayers take balance. Now, there's this submission side of balance, and then there's this confident hope side of balance. Let me talk about uh, a couple of those approaches are on, on that side. The first one is submission. If we're not careful, we can take this posture of submission whenever we uh, uh, pray to God. We can say that, you know, if it's God's will, it will be done, and we'll just leave it at that. And I agree. God's will always conquers everything. But God also, as a church, gives us the opportunity to pray, and out of His goodness, works in a miracle, works in a miraculous way. 
See, what happens with the submission, we can say, we can come to this point where we get a little down and out and we're, we're just, okay, it's God's will that I'm going through this. Things aren't going to change. Circumstances aren't going to happen. I just can't get through it. I'm bad. And we just say, hey, we just chalk it up. So what happens is we become very passive in our prayers. Uh, it's God's will. Uh, it's God's will. But then on the other side, we have this overconfidence where we almost pray with our head in the sky, our head in the clouds of, oh, God's gonna, God, God's got my back. He's gonna do this. And we can kind of live in this like really aggressive state of mind. See, when we come to prayer, prayer leads us into a balance of understanding, a balance of how we should pray, a maturity in our faith, a maturity in our communication. It's both petitioning and saying, I'm being submissive, but it's also in this mentality of, I'm not going to be overconfident in saying, God's going to do these radical things when maybe God's putting me in this moment to navigate to develop my character. See, it's both. It's this perfect balance. And there's this beautiful illustration found in Genesis chapter 18. We see Abraham. He is in this moment where we see balance come to life. So, Abraham is pleading on behalf of Sodom, this city. It's this, this disastrous city. They're going through it. They're wicked. And he starts with the number 50. And this is where we see the balance and God's will play out in God hearing his people. The first one, he says this in the righteous people. He asks God, suppose you find 50 righteous people. Abraham's asking, living there in the city, will you sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? God surely, God says this, surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not judge of the earth, all the earth do what is right? And then the Lord respect, and then the Lord said, all right, if there's 50 righteous people in Sodom, I'll spare it. And then he goes on, okay, I got you at 50, God. Abraham goes, what about 45? And then God says, okay, I hear you at 45, we'll settle there. And then Abraham goes, okay, what about 40? And then Abraham is like, okay, I'm getting God down here. He's like bargaining back and forth. And then he's like, how about 30 people? If we can find 30 people in Sodom, okay, the percentage is going up. The, the city's going to be spared. And then finally, we get to Genesis 18, 31, and he says, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. So he gets to the number 20. He answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it, is what God says. And then he said, this is Abraham, by his petition and his plea, he says, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. See, it's the submission side right here. He comes into this moment. He says, Lord, don't be angry with me. I know you're the Lord. I know that you mark it at 50. You can even mark it at 10 in what we'll see. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there, Abraham said. He answered. And God goes, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his to his place. See, Abraham went back and forth, both the balance, submission, but then overconfidence. He called on his God, knowing that his God would deliver. But he also understood that it was because of God's greatness where he fell in line. 
And I think a lot of times what can happen to us is we can fall on one wind or the other. Sometimes you can be like, oh man, God's going to deliver us. And then when you hear people, you're like, all right, man, let's not be crazy right now. And on the other end, it's like we're just defeated when we pray. Say, yeah, I'll pray. Okay, God, it's your will be done. If you, if you want to make this go through, okay. And, and God's sitting there. He's like, don't you believe? Don't you see what I've done in Scripture? The same God that worked in the first century church is present and alive now. And sometimes we need to apply that and say that's a boldness that we're going to live out and not be beat before we even show up to the game. It's a mentality that we have to look at. It's a mentality that we have to adjust. But it's a fine balance. It's a maturity in what we do. Um, We avoid extremes and seek to pray with maturity when we find the balance. Prayer leads to one, self-knowledge. Prayer leads to balance. But prayer also leads to surrender. Prayer also leads to surrender. Uh, Pastor Goss shared with me an article today, uh, and I was somewhat aware of it, uh, and what's funny is he comes into my office and he hands me a newspaper. I said, Pastor Goss, what's this? You know, newspaper? Okay, bad joke. It's late. It's Wednesday night, you know. Okay, anyways, a newspaper. It's what they fold up. All right, anyway, we're moving on. He hands me this article on news, in this newspaper, and the title of it was 70 million Americans, people, are leaving the faith. Or, or becoming what this new religious group is as known as the nuns, N-O-N-E. People who don't have any affiliation to a local church. They, they have this understanding of like, hey, I believe in a higher power. Most people believe uh, still in America, according to some pure research, that there is the biblical God. And then, he co- and then it, it explains in this whole article, and it says 70 million people are, are saying, hey, I'm a nun. Essentially, when you start reading the article and you start looking through the reasons of why people are nuns, why they have no affiliation, is because of a few big things, but I chalk it up to this one word, surrender. The first one is this, uh, they, they don't like people telling them what to do. They don't like the preacher telling them what to do. I'm like, oh man, like that's kind of scary, that's alarming, USA Today. The number two one is they don't like the moral restrictions that they find that church imposes on people. That's alarming because the church isn't trying to oppose moral. The church is just trying to follow what biblically scripture is written down. You know, so it's interesting how people's view and concepts are becoming evolved around the church. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's interesting. That's different. And so this whole massive group, for the first time, in American's history, the, uh, 50 per, the, uh, our principles, our Judeo-Christian principles, people are less than, less than 50% of Americans claim some kind of faith, Christianity, whatever the case might be. That's crazy. So what it says is our, our evolution or our devolution, per se, is actually moving away from the goodness of God to a more sad state of affairs. So what's interesting is what is coming about is prayer leads us to this posture of surrender. When we pray, we are coming into this moment and saying, God, I need your help. God, you are great. God, you can work in my life. Culture is over here saying, you own it. You develop your own way to God. When, when the gospel is, God, let me call on your name. God, you've 
given us Jesus. See, the psalmist writes this, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It's this understanding that there's someone greater, there's someone more majestic, there's someone that's for you, but it starts with this posture of surrendering. It starts with this posture of leaning in to who he is. James 4 says this, if you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, to spend it on your own passions. See, the reason James writes that is because a lot of us have areas in our lives that we don't want to necessarily give up and give over, but yet we want to call on God and say, hey, God, help us out here. I need you in this moment and in this prayer time. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says this. So a commitment to put God first and love and follow him supremely is necessary before God can grant our prayers without harming us. I want to encourage you, where are you at in your posture of surrender? Where are you at in your posture of confession? Where are you at whenever you pray? How is that being let out in your life? I want to encourage you as we close tonight, we're going to close in just a reflective moment in our prayer and worship night with Psalm 73, 25. Um, a lot of us, we get distracted with different things, with uh, where we are at. <laughs> where we are at and what's maybe happening. But I would encourage you that whenever we surrender, whenever our focus is there, whenever we're praying, we're going into a moment of saying, God, make me more aware about you so I can become a better follower. What do I need to change in my life? To God, let me have a balance of, I wanna believe boldly when I pray. I want, to, I want to not just be a passive prayer or, or someone that's uh, weak, but I also want to pray with the strength and the confidence. God, give me a balance. God, most importantly, let me surrender to what you're placing in my life. See, the psalmist writes this in 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are faced with, desire God. This is our moment where we gather, where our midweek pick me up, where we take a moment to evaluate what's taking place in our hearts so that we can give over, so that we can lead better, and so that we can uh, make a change in our community. As you've heard about, we're passionate about seeing people far from God meet Him in such a radical and real way through the life-changing message of the gospel. So tonight, I'm going to conclude. I'm going to pray over you, and Pastor Steph's going to uh, lead us a little bit more and not too much more but he's going to lead us in a song just to give you a moment to reflect and pray at your chair let's bow our heads and close this time Lord right now we give you this time we give you this moment Lord tonight as we are encouraged to look out at, at our lives to self evaluate may you make uh, us aware of what we need to change what we need to do to be better Lord, I also pray that you give us that fine balance when we communicate with you so we can lean into you and so we can call in your name. And Lord, I also pray for those who are struggling with this idea of surrendering. May their awe of you be greater than their awe of life. Lord, continue to minister in our hearts and may we leave here better than the way you came in. Pray a special blessing and anointing over everyone in this place. In your great and holy name we all say, 
Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.